Hey, this is John C. Morley, serial entrepreneur. If you're wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannoutsis. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. Perhaps the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey, listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world. Hey, listeners, welcome to today's episode. Great to have you here with us. I have a wonderful guest with me today. His name is John Morley. He is a serial entrepreneur, engineer, marketing specialist, national talk show host, first responder, and president of a local 501c3 organization. And for those people outside the United States, that's an IRS, Inland Revenue, observed charity. John's main mission is to become a better version of himself and help others become better versions of themselves. John, a massive welcome to you. Thank you very much. It is a pleasure and a privilege to be on your show today. Thank you. Now, whereabouts in the world are you today? So I am, if people know where New York City is, I'm actually in a little town called Franklin Lakes in beautiful Bergen County. We have lots of uh, great trees and landscapes and water and nature. And I just love where I am. But we're about 45 minutes outside of Manhattan to give people a perspective of where we are. Yeah, well, if it's very much like nature in that, then it's going to be very much like where I am in New Zealand as well. I mean, that's just uh, it's just great. And nature is a great thing for us to be around, especially in the times of what we had in the last two years and lockdowns and things like that. You, you just can't beat being around nature. No, nature is so amazing. And when you just choose to live in the moment, I can't tell you how many things just sort of open up. I mean, if I tell people that, they think I'm crazy until you actually experience it. Yep, very good. Now, John, you have a talk show. Uh, what's that about? So I have a couple talk shows. Uh, I have a national talk show called the Jaymore Tech Talk Show. Uh, we just cleared about 3,000 on iHeart. Uh, we're on a goal to try to hit 10,000. So we're a national talk show. I interview uh, local um, guests from businesses, from government, um, national guests, celebrities. I had a gentleman on my show that was the first man to ever talk on a cell phone and invent it. And in fact, this gentleman uh, had a slight argument with uh, a friend of his because he claimed it was something he did, but I think he was just a little jealous, his friend, that he made the first call on a cell phone because they were both kind of engineers. And there's always that little rivalry about, you know, what's going on. But um, uh, Mr. Martin Cooper, uh, amazing gentleman. I've had the privilege of interviewing lots of other great people. So the show is all about what's going on in technology. I give the truth about what's happening, things with the Ukraine, technology, 
things about understanding, you know, the fact if you're not protected, it's not an issue of if you're going to get attacked, but when, if you don't have the right uh, protections inside, firewalls, etc. And so I give people awareness so that they can hopefully adapt their lives and not fall into those pit holes or traps uh, that some people do because of these clever um, hack artists online. Uh, my job is to expose them and let people know that, hey, it's okay if you don't understand this stuff. I'm just here to make sure you do understand it so you just don't give up your bank account like I've seen so many clients do and I've had to work with them. And it's funny, uh, Dennis, some people literally tell me, oh, that's never going to happen to me. And then their husband or spouse dies and they call me. They had an emergency. I said, what happened? Oh, John, you don't know what happened. The bad guys were at again. What bad guys? Well, they called me in the middle of the night. They said I needed to uh, do something. I got on the computer. Then they told me they wanted to give me the money back, but I didn't have a bank account online through Access. So they told me to set up an online banking system. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and they made it so easy for them to just steal their money. I had one client that said, oh, the bad guys are backing. What do you mean? They're back again. You know, we're, 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 we're using whistles. We're blowing things at them. I said, no, don't get aggravated at them. Let's handle this diplomatically. Um, let's get the information. Let's file a police report. Let's get things logged in with the National Crime Prevention. And let's see if we can get your money back. And so that's kind of what we have to do. You have to kind of put your emotions aside, Dennis. And you have to look at the problem, um, if you will, um, in a very natural but a very unbiased way that's about facts. Because when things like that happen, the situation gets very emotional and people tend to get a little bit out of their element and they get aggravated. So I'm like, I understand that you're having a challenge. I get it. And I want to do everything I can to help you. And if you would just help me with some of these questions, I promise you I'm going to do the very best for you. It's just that when I have yelling and screaming, I'm going to miss details. And I don't want to miss things on this report. Okay. Wow. That's, so that's one talk show. What's the yes, other that's one? one talk. The other talk show is IFYL. It just launched uh, this past December, unofficially. And it had been on for a while, but it was not really as formal as me getting on and talking about my day. And I say, you know, I need to make the show about a series more formal, like the other show. So we put together a professional uh, trailer. I'm also a video producer. And at around Christmas time, I bought myself 25 gifts. Now, nothing great. They were just gag gifts. Bought them at the dollar store. One of them was a trash can. I wrapped it up. And on one day, I actually opened up the gift. I'm like, why is my higher self giving me a trash can? So trying to say I'm trash? No, 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 that's not it. It's I get it. It's trying to tell me that I need to get rid of some people and some things in my life. This is where I need to start. So it was a little trash can and you could throw things in it. Another day, I uh, unwrapped uh, a lint roller. I said, hmm, why is my higher self giving me a lint roller? Is it trying to tell me I'm full of lint? Am I dirty? I don't think that's it. No, it wants me to understand that I need to stick to things. And when I do, I'll accomplish my goals and maybe even greater ones. Wow. So that led me to the whole thing that I'm onto something here. So I'm starting to write a book, 25 Gifts of Inspiration to Change Your Life and Everyone Else in It. But as I'm doing that, I realize that the show needs to have more of a structure. So IFYL, Inspirations for Your Life, um, is a show that sometimes I have guests on, sometimes not. But it's a short show. It's usually late afternoons. It's evenings. It's not been a set time. It's just kind of whatever I have the time. And I go on there. For example, uh, this week, we're talking about patience 
And so what is it? What does it mean? What doesn't it mean? I sometimes rely on Merriam-Webster and I thank them for their great definitions. And I try to explain things to people. And so every week I try to give people an insight. Now this came, uh, Dennis, to be honest with you, because I also have, they're not shows, but they're YouTube channels. So I have a science channel where it's uh, John the Science Guy, and I do science experiments every single week, and I help people understand the science experiment. But I'm like, why is John playing around with a science in a lab? Why is he doing that? Well, he's doing that because he wants you to understand something, have fun, and then he wants you to understand the lesson about how you can apply it in your life. For example, we had um, an experiment we did with the grape juice, and we did a had a piece of blank paper, and uh, we used a, a writing instrument with lemon, and we actually wrote down in invisible ink. And I said, you know, it's important to tell the truth. I know sometimes you might think it's overrated, but it's not. And here's what I want to tell you. You see, and I was, I was taking my uh, grape juice, and I was literally decoding the message. I said, someday, you're going to be invited to that big party. And so will Mr. and Mrs. Grape Juice, and they will expose you for the true liar that you really are. So why don't you make the choice today to tell the truth, even if it's not easy to do? Hmm. There's a lot of things in there and relatable to leadership there, right? About patience, yes. about being truthful, about sticking uh, to things and getting on with things and that. Yeah, it's really cool. Now, John, what did you or how did you ever get into leadership? Excellent question. So when I was, let's say I was in high school, mm -hmm. a freshman or sophomore year. I had remembered the days when I was in grammar school and I didn't make it as president or I didn't get one of those positions because back then they were about popularity. They weren't about the right person for the job. So when I got to high school, I said, look, I said, maybe I'm not the most popular here, but you're not voting for popularity. You're voting for someone that's going to take the money that your parents spend and also to make sure your voices get heard to leadership. You want more time on the playground? You want juice in your cafeteria. You want to have uh, shorter detentions. You want a different way to prove you're adults. That's why you want to vote for John Morley as class representative. So that's where that started. Then I went into Toastmasters. I love to speak. Uh, if you hadn't noticed, I spoke for Harvard and Yale. Uh, I did a keynote speak, Y2K, minor inconveniences of Y2K. But what really got me on the path of leadership was when I started to have that epiphany moment. I did work for, uh, it was a telecommunications company um, that had hired me as a consultant outside of school. And one company, which uh, you may know, IBM, um, when I was um, a senior, they came to my school and they wanted me to do something for them. And um, I had never did education, anything like this. They said, well, we want to hire you for this project, but we can't give you the most we'd normally give you because you don't have a background in education. I'm an engineer, but I don't have a background in education like formally on paper. So I said, hmm, I got to change that. After I graduated, I went back to Rochelle and got my bachelor's in education. But when I went to IBM, I started learning something. And that was that there's people in these positions that were older than me and some younger than me, but they didn't have a direction. And I said, I'm going to be like their light. Then I started getting into team building and understanding and bonding. I got certified in neurolinguistic programming. I got my certification as a, as a hypnosis, not to go into practice, but because I'm so passionate that it's about creating and manifesting without having to pay a psychologist to do it. So I said, why don't I just become one? And so that gave me the whole idea 
that leadership is there. Then I became an Eagle Scout. I mean, this is all different, different ways, obviously, because that happened around the, I think it was um, around the, in the eighties, I became an Eagle Scout. And I think what really got me going about being a leader is that I'm not a person that is a stand-up guy that just takes orders from people. I mean, I'm happy to cooperate, but I have my own brain. And this is why, and you may or may not appreciate this, I knew that I could not work for corporate America, regardless of them. I mean, consulting is a lot different than working for corporate America. I remember working for a government agency when I got to school just to make some money. They're paying me, Dennis, a fraction of what I was worth back then. And I just kind of bit my lip and just said, I'm going to learn and, you know, be quiet. You're new. Just kind of. And this was like a school uh, environment. So I was at their corporate management offices. And then there were a couple of schools that I had to manage. There were two other schools. So I was responsible for about 500 computers. I was called a TSC. It's not an engineer. Technical services coordinator. Far from an engineer. But I acted like an engineer, even though I wasn't paid to be an engineer. I would look at diagrams. I would look at specifications. I would get involved in so many things. But what happened is one morning I came in early. The lady said to me, I call the Gestapo. She says, uh, Mr. Morley, she says, uh, we're a little early, aren't we? We're 10 minutes early. Yes, I hope you're not clocking in 10 minutes early. I said, well, I was going to. Oh, no, no, that would be stealing. Oh. So I went back and clocked in exactly 8 o'clock or after the time. And then I remember going to a school. The school usually took me 20 minutes to get to. On my way back, this one day, it took me 24 minutes. I didn't pay any attention to it. I really didn't even notice it, to be honest with you. I get to the main office, and the lady says, uh, Mr. Morley, uh, what happened to you? I said, what do you mean, what happened to me? I said, I'm feeling fine. I'm doing good. She says, well, that's great. She says, but um, where were you? I said, well, I was at the other school down the road. She's like, okay, um, but what took you so long? What took me so long? It usually takes about 20 minutes. She says, you're right. And it took you 24 minutes today. I said, well, uh, why don't we examine this, shall we? I left that school. I went through the whole thing. I said, hello, to the security guard. I said, goodbye. I walked to my car, got to the light. She says, um, you still have um, three minutes left. I said, okay. Then I went over here. Then I went to this light. And then I was getting a little parched because I didn't take lunch that day. And so I went to 7-Eleven to go get a bottle of water. Aha, we got you. Aha, what? You're stealing government time and government money. I said, excuse me? You, you shouldn't do that. I said, well, don't worry. I said, it'll never happen again. So now I started to realize that I'm not enjoying this anymore. But I didn't want to just burst in there and say I quit. Didn't want to do that. I waited till the day before Thanksgiving. And I went in there and I had two weeks after vacation that I was going to be fully vested as a part-time employee. And I said to the lady, I'll call her Mary. That wasn't her name. And I said, Mary, do you have a minute? Oh, sure, John, no problem. I said, I just want to come in here and I want to say thank you. She looks at me and she says, oh, you're welcome. Uh, for what? I want to thank you for helping me become a better version of myself and helping you become a better version of yourself. She still doesn't know where I'm going. Oh, well, you're welcome. You probably should get back to work. I said, I'll be happy to do that. And I want to let you know that I learned a lot. And today is my very last day with your organization. Her mouth opened and she was just like, well, you're leaving a lot of money on the table. I said, you know, Mary, the money that I'm leaving on the table is peanuts compared to the money I'll be making. You see, if I don't enjoy what I'm doing, I'm not going to be able to bring in abundance, especially when people don't treat me right. I'm just not cut out for this. I went outside. There was a lady that needed my help. I helped her. She says, well, you better hurry up. You only have 20 minutes and you have to clock out. 
So she says, well, you better come back in like uh, next week. I said, I'm not coming in on Monday. She's like, oh, I know you're one of these crazy people. You come in whenever you want to. You come in on Tuesday, Wednesday. I said, no. Finally, she asked her every day. She says, when are you coming in? You're not coming any day next week. I said, to be honest with you, Sharon, um, today's my very last day. She said, oh, come here. She says, I'm so sorry. She says, I knew they were going to do that to you, hon. Excuse me? They fired you, didn't they? Fired me? No, I quit. And they got very snide. Oh, and then this started to light a fire in me that no one has the right to make me feel inferior about myself without my permission. And I started from there, just exploring leadership uh, several years ago, deciding that I want to be president of a chamber. The chamber that was there wasn't in a great shape. So what I do, I had everyone there kind of going against me and I was not feeling great about it. But I was like, how do I fix this? And people kept telling me to give up, including the head person for the town. They called me in one time. And I remember designing a campaign for them. And it was about shopping locally. And he said to me, by the way, John, um, we're launching this and you're not, nor is the chamber. And I said, oh, by the way, John, when are you going to give up with all this nonsense? He said, excuse me? When are you just going to give up and realize, you know, you, you've, had, you've had your fill and you're not going anywhere? So I said, just give me a moment. I sat back in his chair, his guest chair, and I closed my eyes, Dennis. He goes, what are you doing? I said, sir, I don't want to lie to you. I want to give you the exact month, the exact day, the exact hour, minute, and second that I'm officially going to give up. I'm almost there. He's like, oh, okay. I sit up in my chair, and I say, sir, I'm going to give up. He's like really excited. When? He's like right there. Yes, a little baby boy or a little baby girl. He's looking at me funny. Tell their parents they don't want to walk anymore. He's giving me more facial expressions. He goes, when the blank is that? I said, you know, let me ask you a question. You have a boy and a girl, right? He said, yes. Let me ask another question. They both had a walk right now. I take it they're almost through college or maybe out of college. When did they ever tell you that they don't want to learn to walk anymore? He paused for a minute, more facial expressions, micro expressions. And I said to him, he's just, just waiting there. He goes, never. I said, you know, sir. I always knew that you were the most bright and intelligent man and that when I asked you that question someday, you would give me the exact correct answer. He goes, John, you're arrogant. Now get the H out of my office. <laughs> and I said, you know, sir, I'll be happy to do that. You know, I never needed your help. I came here with an olive branch to ask you so we could work together as a team. You see, I have no ego in the stuff I do. I do it for the greater good of other people. Mm. And that day, I went back to my office, and I realized something. This was only about five or six years ago. I said to myself, John, you can't have everybody liking you all the time. You see, in leadership, we always want everybody to like us. We want friends. But you know what the truth of the matter is, especially even in business? You can't be worrying about that. I'm not saying have people hate you, but you need a couple people to be on the fence about you, to be a little bit worried about what you're going to do. because. If that's not the case, John or whoever else is not bringing their A game to the table. Yep. Yeah, that's big. That's huge. And people should be bringing the A game to the to the to the table for sure. John, I'm just thinking about time here and I've got sure. a few more questions for you. Who's your favorite leader? Now this person can be alive or from history. Who's your favorite leader and why? My favorite leader, it's gonna be two people. One is a person that that just died uh not too long ago, a few years ago. Uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer, mm. uh, followed all his books, all his teachings, um, the things he learns from Patanjali's. And the other one is going to be Earl Nightingale Conan. Oh, wow. Cool. 
where he shares the whole thing about, you know, we change our words, we change our thoughts, we change our thoughts, we change our mind. And that is, in fact, what we want to do to improve our life. So I like these two people because they wrote books, they wrote examples, and they didn't give you a step-by-step approach. But what they did do is teach you by immersion. Now, for those of you that are listening, what am I talking about? Immersion. Now, we're not talking about something crazy. When you learn a language in life or you have to learn something that might be a little difficult, if you learn it by immersion, it will be easy. And so what I tell people is this. If you want to learn something, regardless of what it is, I don't care. The first thing I want to find out, Dennis, is what is it that you do that's somewhat like this, even if it's not even close? Because if I can build parallels and connections to them, I'm going to start to create synaptics in your brain from the left to the right. And the more connections we have, the more intelligent we have, intelligence we have. And that happens because we're using our information in more ways possible. Mm-hmm. This is this is huge. Those two gentlemen in particular, massive. And what you're saying about the immersion, really love it. And dude, Earl Nightingale, I mean, that is, for me, one of my people that I've actually really admired over the years as well. And Bob Proctor, kind of guy who's actually worked with Earl Nightingale and took on his, his I followed too. a Bob. little bit of Bob Proctor. Um, I like some of the stuff he's done. The thing that I liked about Earl Nightingale Conant and I guess the whole company is that when I first started with them, they used to give you f- things for free. You could get it for 30 days and then not pay for it for 30 days. So they had this real embracing spirit of wanting people to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Bob Proctor is very good too. And some of these other people are good, but I just felt that Earl Nightingale Conant and even Dr. Dwayne Dyer, they weren't trying to sell you a $5,000 or $10,000 weekend. They just were trying to get a book in your hands so that you could explore, just like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yep, yep, very much so. Yeah, yeah, good, good points, very good points. And so leaders, uh, listeners, as you're listening to this today, it's about how you can implement things and help people with things and give as much as you can around that. And uh, it's a good idea too, John. Now, John, the show is called Leadership is Changing. When I mention that title or that statement, what does that mean for you? So leadership is changing because for a while, people would always say leadership is only in corporate America. And you might have it in some charities. But that's been changing a lot, especially after the pandemic is kind of, let's say, going into remission, hopefully. People have started to realize, which is a really good thing, that they're more than they believe they were. They've had the time to think. And I believe that we're going to see more people, sorry, corporate companies, um, them leaving those corporate companies because they're getting burnt out, okay? Yep. They need to realize that there's lots of things you could do that you could make 10 times more money than you'd ever work there. And you could work less amount of time and you could get appreciation and people to thank you for it. I had something else um, that was a very big leadership thing for me. Uh, you know, I have, I have several companies, but one company I have um, started in college and they kind of grew it. And I had one of the largest advertising and marketing companies working for me 11 years ago. I decided to do something that only a leader would do. I said, how do I fire these people? They're not doing their job. And we're always taught when we hire and fire people, hire slow, fire fast. And so I said, how do I become somewhat like these people, at least the good parts of them? And I realized that these big companies, they don't even print their own stuff. They say they do, but they send it out. 
I said, I don't want to do that. I want to be like them, but I want to be a one-stop in-house that actually does what we say we're going to do. So I went to Xerox, who we're a client of, and we had some, uh, we, had a, we had a copier and MFC machine from them. And I went there one time and I said, guys, how do I become a small mom and pop print shop? They looked at me. They said, John, it'd be 150. I said, I'll give you the 150 bucks right now. You want to put on my credit card? No, John, 150,000. Well, I had a little bit of a heart <laughs> moment there. And meanwhile, they're whining and dining me breakfast, lunch, and I'm falling in love with this machine that's 150 grand. I go to my bank. Use your bank, say no. Well, my bank said yes. I said, oh boy, now what do I do? Your bank's supposed to say no. Mine said yes. Something's wrong with my bank. And I went there. Long story short, I got the loan. But I decided to do my first bit of creative leadership. I only got 130000 I said I got 150, which is what I did get. When I went back to Xerox, I said, guys, I got some good news and some bad news for you. Good news is I got the loan. The bad news is I am so embarrassed that because of my credit, I couldn't get the whole 150. All they would loan me is 130,000. I'm really sorry I wasted your time. If you want me to pay you for the lunch or the breakfast, I'm more than happy to do it. I knew what I was doing. I sat down in my chair, John, can we get you coffee? Ba-? No, I don't want anything. I'm kind of in a rush. Oh, just just sit sit tight. I mean, have a water. They went in. Guy comes rushing out. I said, okay. I said, I said what's the matter? He says, John, you're in luck. I said, I just told you I don't have all the money. No, no, that's okay. You see, we're actually doing a promotion starting this today to next Friday on any production machine. We're throwing in 40 hours of training and we're taking a $30,000 rebate, um, off a $20,000 a rebate off of the top. So the 130, you're in. Taxes, it's all in, 130. And training, I said, wow. Got signed up, got the training, went back into this company in New York, knocked on the door, I'll skip way ahead of all the stuff. Long story short, I said to them, Thank you. We had a great run and we're done. And I went through that a couple of people. And when I shared with them what was happening, and that was I was starting my own company, they almost died. And then they came back uh, two years later when we we're getting successful after we failed. And they said, John, we want to help you. And I said to them, I know you want to help me. You want to take me to lunch, but you can't help me because they wanted to take some of my clients. And I knew this. I said, why would I do that? Why would I ruin a perfectly good reputation and destroy it with you in a fraction of a second. I got a better idea. Why don't we take some of those clients that are going to leave you, that are probably on the verge of suing you, or just haven't really told you because you're still in denial that they're actually quitting your services. Why don't we take some of them, do an ROI, we get a good marketing campaign together, we show them a profit, make them happy, and get them to continue to do more business with us and grow together, and you can keep your name, and we won't put our name on there. He said, well, John, that's a little bit above my pay grade. I said, you know what? When you're able to make those kinds of decisions, then and only then can you take me out for lunch. <laughs> nice. Good job. Well done. In other words, listeners, you need to think outside the box, get things happening, and then go for it and do things maybe differently. And that's why leadership is changing. We need to look at things differently. John, uh, just mindful of time here. What makes a leader successful in today's fast, ever-changing world? I mean, it's just getting faster and faster. I think the first thing you have to have is you got to have a passion. That's mm. number one. you got to have a passion. The second thing you have to have is um, a commitment and a dedication level. Because you can have the passion, but you have to have the commitment. You have to realize that if you find that there's a problem and you're not part of the solution, you are the problem. And too many leaders today are in denial, not the river in Egypt. (laughs) And when leaders understand 
that there's so much they can do and grow, that's when it becomes amazing. And a lot of people get scared. And I have to tell you this. When you get scared about, oh, my gosh, how am I going to do this? It's getting overwhelming. That's a, that's a feeling. We all go through that. But it passes. You'll feel some days like, oh, my gosh, my days just blipped. I keep going to bed like the days keep ending. That's going to happen. And then you're going to get a hold of things. That might happen again in your life a few times. It's that feeling because that's the point when the one side is like, okay, it's time to give up. No, that's the time to stay on track. You know, if there is a plane or there is a train, uh, Dennis, do you ever notice that no one ever boards a stop train or a stop plane? But people will kill themselves to get on a moving train or risk their entire life and everything they have to jet on a plane that's going a thousand miles on the runway. Nobody has, I should say, that spirit. They all want to clip on to what it is that they think they need. They don't have that backbone. I'm looking to work with other businesses, leaders that understand this. Because when you become part of leaders, you can do a lot. There is nothing in I, but there's so much in team. And mm. Dale Carnegie said the best. Get to know other people's names. Say them properly. If you don't know their name, don't botch it up. That's a beautiful name. Uh, would you mind saying it for me? Angelina Christina, is that right? Yes. Oh, that's a beautiful name. And then strive to become genuinely interested in the other person. What do I mean by that? If you go to a networking event, don't you dare take your business card and jam it in somebody's face. Don't do that. Don't give a business card out until you've earned the right to exchange it. Talk about something general, maybe in the room. Talk about a story. Get them talking. Get interested, not because you have to, but because you want to. And don't use a cheap sales ticket like, oh, will you do that? Well, gee, we have a solution. No, don't do that. Get to know them. Build that bond. Don't even worry about your business. Maybe not even the first one or two times. That's a leader. A leader is always trying to see how he or she can help the other people. And then when you help enough people, those people will come in numbers to help you get what you want. Babe Ruth said it first, we'll build it and they will come. Very nice. Very nice. I love that. And also, I think that's also, you know, I'm not even going to go into this next question because I think you've just answered it as well throughout <laughs> today about employees' expectations of leaders and they're wanting that kind of leadership too, which is brilliant. So I'm going to go to the last question with you and I'm going to ask John to get his crystal ball out and think about the future. Oh Where do you see leadership being in five years? It's a great question. I see corporate America losing the reins that they have because more and more people are going to be able to produce that kind of money and more and put in less time. So I see that companies, whether it be Amazon or all kinds of companies, people are already trying to do things right now. When you see those people online and they tell you, well, gee, I did this and I did a $10 million, those are all scams. Or they try to brag and they try to show you. If somebody has to brag and put that into a video about how they can make you a $10 million or anything, they haven't. They haven't even become a leader. What they've done is they've figured out how to manipulate you and your emotions. That's the wrong thing to do because that's what's getting and giving our leaders a bad name. It's like salespeople. So corporate America is changing the way they crack the whip. But more people are saying, you know what? That's okay. It might be time to take that severance package. It might be time to go look at that online business. 
And I think what we're going to start to see is that people are going to tap a part of their brain that they never knew existed, but it's going to require something not too easy. And that's going to be being true to oneself and actually taking the time to write out your goals. And I tell people this all the time. If you haven't already, write down 300 things right now that you want in your life. I didn't say that you believe you can have 300 things that you want in your life right now and realize you can have them. If you feel it first, you'll manifest it second. We start in the brain and then we create here in reality. So feel it first. That's how I got my first luxury car. It was going to drive it, putting as a screensaver and feeling that car. And six months later, Dennis, that car showed up in my driveway. My office production center that I built, I looked at the office and I'm like, this is very close to the way I envisioned this in my mind. Like everything is exactly very close to everything. The colors, the positioning. I'm like, and because your mind was playing that when you were planning, you didn't realize what was going on. And so I think people need to trust their intuition and they need to realize that if they're around negative energy, Okay, that's not leadership. That's manipulation. And when you see that, it's time to say, hey, buddy, I'd like to hang with you, but not with that attitude. So we oh. as people need to realize it's about positive attitude. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. I love it indeed. John, look, thank you so much for joining us on today's show. If our listeners have wanted to get hold of you, where should they go? It has been, again, a true pleasure and a privilege to uh, spend some time with you and your li listeners here tonight, Dennis. Uh, they can go to something really easy. They can go to BelieveMeAchieve.com. That's B-E-L-I-E-V-E, -E -E, the letter M-E, Achieve, A-C-H-I-E-V-E.com. And uh, if they go there, they'll get to see all the great works uh, that I continue to evolve. And I put out a lot of um, sets of free content hundreds of hours every month. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, all this information is great, but you have to take the first step and make the choice to want to change your life. I can't make you do it. But if you're open to changing your life, I can give you the tools to put you in the right direction. There you go, listeners. Totally up to you. Your decision. Be true to yourself. Write your goals out and go ahead and do what John just talked about. It's fantastic. Hey listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Look out for the episodes as they're being released, download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your friends, your family and your network. Hey, if there's any feedback you'd like to give me about the show, or if there's a question you have for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, then send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, it's always a pleasure being with you. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 